Amen. John chapter 11, we'll start in verse 45 today. I want to read you just a few verses of scripture and show you a theme in the, in the New Testament concerning the resurrection. First, this is from Proverbs 21, verse 30. There is no wisdom. There is no insight. There is no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Psalm 33, 10 through 11. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Psalm 2, 1 through 6. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven, he laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, as for me, I've set my king of Zion on my holy hill. Today, I want to read to you from John chapter 11, verses 45 through 53. And it's here that we find the plotting of the religious elite. There's a council gathered together. And they begin to plot and to scheme and to try to, try to decide how they could possibly overthrow Jesus. And I want to show you today, um, if you'll allow me to use this imagery, that there is in all of history this kind of chess match taking place uh, between God, his kingdom, his purposes, his plans, and the demonic realm, the world, sin, and hell. And the, the, what scripture shows us is that God is always playing chess and Satan's always playing checkers. And, and what we find today, we're going to find today, um, the world plotting their little, their little checker map and saying, what we'll do is we'll have him murdered. And the scripture says, God sits in heaven and laughs. The Lord laughs at those who oppose his anointed. He holds them in derision, the psalmist says. That literally means he mocks them. He scoffs at them. I want to show you today that the resurrection of Jesus is the Holy One mocking all those who would attempt to resist God's plans and purposes. It is God triumphing over every opposition. The resurrection of Christ is the son of Eve with his head on the heel of the serpent. The resurrection of Christ is the final checkmate of God. And and the counsel of the wicked There's no wisdom, no insight, no plan, Solomon said, that could possibly succeed against God. There is a council of wicked men, of wicked spiritual entities trying to oppose Christ in the life of Christ. And the resurrection just shows us clearly that those councils are laughable. And our conclusion, our application today would be this. There is, there is a day coming when Jesus will set his foot on the Mount of Olives. He will return in blazing fire. And I want to show you that even today, there are councils of wicked men and wicked women. There are councils of spiritual entities, of worldly powers, trying to plot against the Lord. But the resurrection showed us that no council can succeed against God. And I want to call you today to not be ensnared in the council of hell. Because there is a day coming where the second return of Christ, the second coming of Christ will be God's final total victory. And you have to decide which, which, 
which chess player you're going to partner with. Let's read. Therefore, many Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And then the chief priest and the Pharisees, they called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is the man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, he spoke up and he said this, you know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, John says. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. They plotted to take his life. Now, this conversation that John records for us, it happens when it says that there were many Jews who came to visit Mary. It's talking about um, Mary, the sister of Lazarus. It happens right after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, remember, Lazarus laid in the tomb for four days. And there's some Jewish tradition, you can find this in history, that says that after four days, the soul departs finally. And so to them, four days was unthinkable. For four days, Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, laid in the tomb, cold, lifeless, stale corpse. But when Jesus came to town, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Lazarus, come out. And the dead, cold corpse got up and strolled from the tomb. The scripture says that many believed. Now, I want to show you that this is one of Jesus. Uh, if you if you think of the the, the spiritual realm chess match, that, that God begins to move his pieces, and as Lazarus comes from the dead, God says, check. And and we learn from the text today that many believed, like many know that Lazarus was dead. They were at the tomb, they mourned for days, many saw the dead body. And so many are, they're excited, they're stirred, they're running around talking, they're making a little Facebook post. And so the text tells us that some of these Pharisees, some of these went to the Pharisees, rather, and they said, you have no idea what he just did. We have no idea whether or not these who come to the Pharisees hope to convince them or hope to stir the pot. Either way, they stirred the pot. The Pharisees in this season had no authority, but a lot of influence. The Pharisees were not particularly wealthy. They didn't particularly hold a lot of uh, um, governmental authority, but the Pharisees were kind of the, the everyday rabbi. So the Pharisees, because they have no influence, they go and they, they begin to convene with the Sadducees, who they virtually hated. But now they have a common enemy in Jesus. So the Pharisees go to the Sadducees, who call the Sanhedrin. All of the, Rome had allowed the Sanhedrin to possess some authority still. So Pharisees have no authority, but they're offended. The Sadducees hold the most seats in the Sanhedrin and they gather the Sanhedrin. This is a council. Jewish tradition says that these 70 men, these 70 men who make up the council of the Sanhedrin are supposed to reflect the 70 men who Moses commissioned with the same spirit that was on him to judge Israel. Not a lot of evidence that that lasted forever but that's the idea that there were going to be 70 officials leaders in israel who could come together as a council to make governmental decisions 
So the Pharisees have no authority, but what they say is, call the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, they gather in one place, and they ask a powerful question. What are we accomplishing? Jesus goes on performing signs and wonders. He casts out demons. He heals the sick. He turns water into wine. He calms thorns. He drives out demons uh, daily. And all the while, we're losing our influence. The power base in Israel is shifting. Because many are seeing that in, that in Judaism without Christ, that Judaism without the Spirit has nothing to offer. And so the nations are starting to watch him and go, oh, you've led us for years. You've taught us for years. You've bound us under your legalistic rituals for years. But you haven't given us life. But this man raises the dead and says, I am life. This man says, come and drink and you'll never thirst again. So the nations are starting to go, huh? Think we'll follow him. Think we'll check this guy out for a while. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they sit in the room together with the council, you know, the highest of the high. And they go, we're not, we're not accomplishing anything. The power base is shifting. Our brand of Judaism is not growing. And we feel worthless, defeated. Now imagine, if you will, the greatest scholars in Israel. That's who's in the room right now. The high priest and his family, they're all looking at each other just going, I'm flabbergasted. This man has flipped our world upside down. And their conclusion here is that everyone's beginning to receive him as king. And eventually even Rome will recognize that, that all of the nation is going after him and they might come and crush us. So we need to do something now. Caiaphas, who's the high priest, He stands and silences the meeting. And with all of his worldly wisdom, he makes this statement. I want you to hear just the sarcasm, the frustration in his voice, the the belittling tone. He says, you know nothing. He stands before the wisest men in Israel and says, you don't know anything at all. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation Perish. You know nothing. In other words, we have to kill him. Now, of course, murder in Israel is, is sin, is wickedness. And so he has to justify the fact that they're now plotting a man's murder. And he's going to justify the fact that they're plotting a man's murder by saying, if we murder him, we're safe. This is a, a means to the, for, to the end here. We're, we're going to break our own code in order to murder this man for our own safety. With all of his pride and arrogance, the high priest, imagine this, who deals with blood every day. The high priest who watches the slaughtering of animals says, you know what we'll do? We'll slaughter him. He's saying, we need him dead. We'll have him killed. We must plot. Now, the Sanhedrin doesn't have the right to put to death. And so, of course, they're beginning to plot now how they're going to hold kind of illegal courts, right? They're going to bring Jesus before court in the middle of the night, not legal. They're going to have to bring Jesus before Pilate and then argue to Pilate that he's guilty. And so they begin to set up false witnesses, which is wicked in Judaism, by the way. Start to plot and scheme and how they're going to twist, 
how they're going to manipulate, how they're going to paint this thing to look like Pilate has to kill him. And John, the beloved here recording, gives us this fascinating statement. Caius, Caiaphas here prophesies. John says, Caiaphas thought what he was saying is, we're going to kill Jesus to save the nation from Rome. But what he was actually doing was prophesying. And what he was saying was, we're going to kill Jesus. And all of the nations are going to come and have life in Jesus. That, that Caiaphas, the high priest, was actually unknowingly in his own evil, he had been drawn into the plans of God. Now, now listen to me for a second. I want to show you this. Every wise general, right, when they're plotting battle, you, you try to bait the enemy into position, right? Bait them into this position and we'll circle them from the back. When you, when you start thinking about, um, animals being baited into a trap, right? That they You make them think that what they're doing is good. So an animal coming to a trap goes, free food. And in chess, right? When you're playing chess, you're not just thinking about your next move. You're thinking about how you can bait your enemy into their next move, which will set up your next move. And so they're sitting in their council thinking, we know it all. Caiaphas says, you're all idiots. I'll fix it. We'll murder him. And God says, check. You you just stumbled into my plan. The scripture says God laughs. There's a heavenly chuckle at the, the scheming, the demonic plans of the world trying to overthrow the anointed one. Heaven chuckles. And John says, they murdered him that the children of God scattered might become one. That the high priest, again, who deals with blood and sacrifice week in and week out, he's the one who says, what we'll do is we'll murder him. And it's so ironic because what he's actually saying is, we'll prepare the sacrifice. And John says, and he doesn't, he prepares the sacrifice. He thought he was resisting an opponent, but he was actually preparing the lamb. And he was leading the lamb to the place of death, of atonement. And he says, John says, and he did this so that the children of God scattered around the world might become one. So they thought, we'll murder him, and then we won't have to hear any more of it. And for Friday and Saturday, they thought, good God, we got him. They thought, we'll kill him, it'll be over. But God says, You'll kill him, and by shedding his blood, you'll invite the nations into union, into oneness. They will be one. One with who? One with the triune God. One with one another. There will be a complete and total union, a new creation, forgiveness forever. Total, radical, complete forgiveness for the nation. Because the high priest has prepared the lamb. So they continue on with their plot. Remember, they arrest Jesus in the middle of the night. What are they doing arresting him in the middle of the night? They bring him, they hold false counsels, they bring him before Pilate, and they continue with the lies and the deceit. Pilate, we'll give you Barabbas. And they say, no, we want Jesus. 
Crucify him, they cry. Crucify him, they cry. All the while in their heads, they're going, we got him. Crucify him. We got him. Crucify him. He's done. Crucify him. We've got him pinned down. And God chuckles. Because on the third day, after the blood has been shed for the sins of the world, after humanity has been offered atonement, atonement that satisfies the wrath of God, your wickedness, your filth, your perversion, all the wrath and all the fury of God aimed at us for our own lack of justice and lack of righteousness is now satisfied by this blood. God's wrath satisfied. And on the third day, when they, you know, early in the morning, they're fast asleep and Caiaphas thinks, thank God that's over. The stone is rolled. And this holy one strolls from the grave. And he offers himself to the four corners of the world. To as many who would like to come out from other under the dominion of hell. To as many who would no longer like to be a pawn of hell. Whosoever will believe can come to Christ Jesus and not only have forgiveness and newness of life and oneness in Jesus, you can begin to participate in the kingdom of God and watch your captor now flee. And as they prepare and plot against Jesus, the enemy's just playing checkers. And, and what I want to say to you, one, is that I think there are many of us who are still in many ways bound by hell. It's, it's checkers. And what if, go with me here for a few moments. What if all the anti-Christian rhetoric in our culture and on our televisions, what if all that anti-Christian rhetoric is just demonic powers playing checkers? And, and the nation, you know, we get all, we get all puckered and we're all mad and we start to fight. What if God's just giggling, going, bait it? What if all the anti-supernatural rhetoric in our, rhetoric in our universities is actually just, it's just checkers? It's just the enemy rising up to oppose God. What if the perverse, hear me say perverse, what if the perverse version of the American dream, which says your life is about you being as happy and as wealthy and as successful and as comfortable as you could possibly be. What if that agenda, that narrative of your life is actually a part of the enemy's checkers? to try to get you to resist Christ. And, and what if all the talk about sexuality and, and, and gender and the attempt to reshape and redefine the nuclear family, what if all that's just checkers? And, and, and our addictions, the, the hyper-sexualized culture, our kids, and pornography, the way it was just checkers. It's just checkered. And, and, and God tells us in scripture time and time again that the trumpet will sound. Jesus tells us that, that we're watching round two. Round one was done at the cross. Round two, we're in the middle of it. And Jesus tells us, I'll build my church and hell won't prevail against it. Jesus tells us that there'll be a great end time harvest. 
that there will be souls and souls and souls who come into the kingdom, that the wheat will ripen as the tares ripen. Yes, there is an agenda, a plan of hell, no doubt. But Jesus tells us that until the return, this gospel will go forth in power. And the invitation of the death and resurrection of Christ is you get to decide. You get to lean into what narrative you're going to participate in. I suggest you quit playing checkers. Because the best strategies of hell are only stumbling into the bait of God. And when the trumpet sounds, all of the resistance of hell will be flipped on its head in a moment. And the world today in many ways looks at Christianity and says, cold grave, we've got it. Christianity is no longer the, 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 the norm or popular in our society. We've convinced the world that the super, that the, that we've convinced the world that there's no such thing as supernatural power. We've convinced the world that we're our own gods. And, and I promise you, heaven is scoffing and saying, you idiots. If you only knew what's coming. And God's getting ready in the days to come to declare from heaven, checkmate. And you need to make sure you're ready. You need to get right with God today. You need to receive forgiveness and right relationship with God because of the blood of Jesus. Have oneness with God in Christ. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Worship team, come for me. Come on, hear Jesus this morning. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will never perish. Hear Jesus this morning say, all who are thirsty, come. Hear the heart of the Father. There is no need to stay bound by hell. Come on, there's a, there's a new exodus in the blood of Jesus. There's new vision and purpose for life. I'm going to ask the team to lead us in worship. I'm going to ask the team to celebrate for us the beauty of Jesus, the resurrection power. And as we worship, I want to challenge you. Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure that you're right with God today? The scripture says, in the blood of Jesus, this total forgiveness Repent, believe, be baptized, and you'll have newness of life. The scripture says there's no other name by which we're saved other than the name of Jesus. Have you done it? Because look, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they've got all the religion in the world, yet they're still plotting against Jesus. You could be as religious as the next and be, be totally void of God. Come on, as we sing, I want to ask you to lift your hands and lift your voice, and in your heart, right where you are, I want to ask you to begin to commit yourself to God. Put your life on the altar today and begin to declare, all of me is sacrificed for you, Jesus. I covenant today to no longer participate in the schemes of hell and the schemes of the world. Use me. Come on, may the resurrection mean something to your heart today.
Let's worship.